Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. Today, Dan Moore will interview Jason Harris. Jason is the CEO of the award-winning creative agency, Mechanism, and the co-founder of the Creative Alliance. He works closely with brands through a blend of soul and science to create provocative campaigns that engage audiences. Iconic brands include Peloton, Ben & Jerry's, HBO, and the United Nations. Harris has been named in the top 10 most influential social impact leaders, and his methods are studied in cases at Harvard Business School. His new book, The Soulful Art of Persuasion, launched in September on the Wall Street Journal's bestseller list for business books, and we are looking forward to hearing all about it. Stay tuned for this episode. Well, welcome to the Action Catalyst. We are so excited today to have Jason Harris with us. Jason comes to us by way of his uh, studio in New York. Now it's where he spends a lot of his time. He is somebody that has done a great deal to help people understand messaging, and he's gotten deeply into the subject of messaging, and we're going to hear from him today about his new book, which is called The Soulful Art of Persuasion. And I absolutely love the title, and Jason, we want to hear all about it. So welcome to the Action Catalyst. Thanks for having me on the Action Catalyst. Great to be here. Well, that is so cool. Uh, you've been in the advertising field and done an amazing job with that. And you mentioned in your book, the 1957 book called The Hidden Persuaders that was digging into the secrets of advertising and how they work on our psyche, et cetera. You have a very different opinion about that, about what persuasion really is about. And I'd love to hear you kind of explain that and then go into how you came up with this whole notion that it is soulful rather than psychological and that it is character-based rather than manipulation-based. Sure. So, uh, like like uh, you mentioned, I've been in the advertising business about 20 years, and I fortunately have been successful. Started a business 13 years ago. Uh, launched a, it's a creative independent agency. We've got about four offices now. And I sort of naturally... Uh, sold and pitched my my services in a in a in a way that was a little bit different than a lot of the business books that I had read, uh, and a lot of different takes on advertising, like the Hidden Persuaders, or even like Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, and those types of books that are about pitching and selling. And so I try to t- break down the way that I do it into a methodology that is counterintuitive to a lot of the sales books out there. And uh, the four principles are, are break them down real quick. It's original, which is really about leaning into who you are, what your beliefs are, what makes you you, what your unique traits are. And it, it goes against the mirror and matching method of sales. Uh, so that's first principle is original. Second is generosity. And that's really about giving things away without expecting anything in return. And when you do that, it comes back with compound interest. You don't know how or when, but generosity leads to a lot of success. And being a generous person can be giving away time, advice, connections, uh, even gifts sometimes. And the third principle is um, 
being an empathetic person. It's empathy. It's understanding that people at our root were 99.9% the same. We all share the same DNA. There's 0.1% in each of us that make us different. And that difference, unfortunately, today has really uh, sort of bifurcated and put us into different boxes. And we really think people are so different, but we all have the same desires and needs of love, connection, success, ambition, whatever those, those traits might be. We sort of share a common human commonality. So empathy and understanding others is critical to success. The final principle is uh, this idea of soulful. And soulful to me is about matching your skills. We all have in business and in life, we all have certain skills that we've mastered. Maybe not a ton, but you know, three to five things that we've mastered in our life. And, and soulfulness is about pairing those skills with a purpose, giving back some way to make the world a better place. And, and that inspires others and kind of elevates you and, and makes you more successful. So those are the basic principles. And then there's habits that fall out of those principles that you build your character around. Well, if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you questions about some of those habits and have you expand that for us. Sure. That'd be okay. One of the ones I was really intrigued by was when you said, never be closing. Yeah. So many sales books always say, remember the ABCs of selling, always be closing. Yeah. So I'm really intrigued by that one. So please uh, blow that up for us. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, like, like most people, I, I was enthralled with, uh, the, you know, uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross play, uh, and then the movie that Alec Baldwin famously starred in, and when he had that line, always be closing, uh, that sort of has been a, a sort of a stalwart uh, sales mantra of, of getting to a yes. And I found that was sort of not naturally my character. And the, the thing that I followed is this, this op, the antithesis of that, which is never be closing which is not to look at pitches or work or relationships as transactional, but really think of them as playing the long game and building relationships over time and thinking of every time I hear a no in my head, I hear no for right now. And I try to maintain those relationships in whatever sector, if you're pitching a retail client or automotive or whatever industry it might be, you get a lot of no's in business. And if you mentally check in that you're not trying to close, but you're trying to maintain those relationships, somehow by, by keeping up with those relationships and playing the long game, you're going to get uh, a, a lead, you're going to get a referral, you're going to even win that business. A lot of times we pitch business that we don't win. We, we maintain those relationships. And two years later, when someone does something wrong, They'll call us and and bring us in because we we haven't you know pitched we haven't left that relationship in the dust and then moved on we we maintain all those relationships so right works really well sounds like it's the epitome of the win win as opposed to the typical thinking of they win if my client loses meaning they give me money I win money you're yeah, much yeah. more into adding value much more into adding value and it's about relationship building which is hard when you're starting a business. You need those wins or when you have shareholders to report to and you have quarterly goals, it's really hard to have that 
long-term mindset. But as you know, I mean, you've, you've had a successful business, successful consulting company. Uh, business is a marathon. And, and never be closing is just a great mantra to keep in mind. Right. Well, that's because closing involves bringing something to an end. And the good relationships don't ever come to an end. That's true. They just keep going. I think that's great. Uh, now, the, the first sub point you put under, uh, under your principle of being original, you say, be yourself. Yeah. Um, we all got our quirks. We've got our uniquenesses, et cetera. How do you help a person really identify what those are so that they're not just putting on a, a veneer of what they think they're supposed to look like, which eventually cracks and falls apart? Yeah, that's, I like that cracks and falls apart idea. Um, you know, I think following Oscar Wilde's advice of be yourself, everyone else has already taken. One, one way that I really do that, which I've had to train, I've, this isn't something I was innately born with, but the power of storytelling is a great way to put yourself out there and be original. And capturing stories in a journal or a notebook, thinking about pivotal moments in your life that have transformed you with a lesson or a takeaway, things that you're interested in, movies that you love, books that you um, spark, that spark to you, the takeaway from those books and putting them into a story uh, really helps, um, I think, both internally within a company and externally when you're trying to put your whole self out there. We have a lot of stories internally that are sort of folklore in the company of mistakes or failures we've made and those become lessons to others to not do the same things uh, that we've done that have, have backfired. And I think collecting stories about yourself, about your business, is one way to be vulnerable to someone that you're pitching or selling to, but it's also opening the kimono and showing someone your true self. It's not saying that, you know, I never fail or I'm perfect, I've got a great track record. Also, things that you're interested in, what, what interests you have. You know, in my, in my office, I have a lot of artwork over uh, on this wall, different bands that I love, music that sparks to me. So when a client comes in here, they might not have the same taste in music that I have, but they, they understand that I'm like a hardcore music aficionado. So there might be a connection point where we can talk about or they're into something else. But the fact that I'm into what I'm into and I'm not afraid to to talk about it and show it and mention it, I think allows the other person to be more free and more of themselves uh, than sort of a, you know, a discussion about the weather or talking about someone's golf game. I think it really allows you to really get into the unique things that make you you. Right. And it also shows you have a sense of humor about yourself. That's right. Yeah, that's really important. Not right. to take yourself too seriously, yeah. Well, that's true because it's really easy to do that and it doesn't help get anywhere. Yeah. Um, now, you also talk a lot about generosity, uh, that giving is not give so you get immediately. It's almost giving for its own sake. Uh, can you yeah. expand on that just a little bit? Sure. Yeah, I think, um, you know, one thing that I've changed a lot in the way that I work is whenever someone asks me for a favor or a connection or time or advice, you know, being busy running a business, your first inclination is that you don't have time. And I sort of shifted that mindset to always say yes to anyone that asks me for anything because if they're um, bold enough and brave enough to put the request out there, I should honor that request. 
in some way. And it might be, I'm too busy this week, but we'll book a 10 minute appointment so I can talk about what it is that you're interested in uh, at a later point. But this idea of generosity with time, with advice, really, really builds um, your network. It really builds your, your fan base and your friends. And I have a story in the book called The Million Dollar Hoodie. And one of our longest clients is Ben and Jerry's. We've had Ben and Jerry's for six years. And I met uh, someone in the marketing department at Ben and Jerry's at an advertising conference. Thought he was a cool guy. Didn't think much of it. Sent him a mechanism hoodie. We make a lot of uh, swag for, you know, to give away. And he wore this hoodie. He's in Burlington, Vermont. It's cold. Love this hoodie. Wore it all the time. Uh, Ten months later, they wanted to get rid of their advertising agency, wore our hoodie, looked down and saw our logo. He's like, oh, let's throw in mechanism into the mix. It was a, we were a dark horse um, into the, in the, the advertising shootout. We ended up winning the account. They've been our client for six years, all because I met a guy and gave him a free hoodie. And so that's just sort of a, a tiny example of when giving stuff away without thinking that it's going to come back to you. Sometimes it comes back to you in strange and wonderful ways. Oh, I think that's a fantastic story. Plus, hopefully people are watching you on video. You can pass through those borders of Vermont seamlessly and fit right in. <laughs> yeah. <I'm sure. laughs> it's a great state. Wonderful. Yeah, people. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you also have a, a strong uh, streak about gratitude. Um, a person that does not seem to be greedy or clutching or how can I move up to the next level, but you you profoundly exude gratefulness. So can, can you expand on that in terms of your principles and how you feel like that helps with the soulfulness of persuasion? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we all struggle when we're either working at a co company or we we're entrepreneurs and we've started our own company. I think there's a tendency to, oh, um, never be content and have a fire. And I think that's good to have the fire. Um, but I also think it's really important to reflect and take time to be grateful for what you, what you have accomplished, the journey that you're on, and never to forget that. And I think that comes through when you're, when you're working with others in a really calming um, way that, that, that doesn't make you feel anxious because you're comfortable with where you are at that moment even though you're still always striving for the next thing. And I, I have a problem with this. Like, I have a real problem. Like, my book, I launched a book. My first book did well, got on some bestseller lists. Uh, I didn't, didn't make it the, the next week onto the list. I got kind of bummed out. I wanted it to keep going. And I always have to catch myself. Like, just accomplishing, I set out to write a book three years ago, accomplishing that. I should be grateful for that without expecting what the results are like and not thinking that, okay, I, now I did got on a bestseller list. I want more and more. So it's very hard. Um, you know, as, as Americans, we're sort of trained to always keep going and always want more and it can turn into greediness. So a lot of acts that I do with gratitude, which may sound a little new agey, but I have a gratitude journal and uh, this is a practice that I do with my two boys and I do this with my two boys every Thursday night and we write down um, three goals that we've accomplished that we're proud of ourselves for three things we're grateful for. And then one thing we want to try to look, look to do in the future. 
and, and, and that process of that gratitude journal, and then we read them to each other. Yeah. And that process of writing it and speaking it uh, sort of works in the brain to make you feel accomplished and not just looking for the next thing. And uh, that's been a really, really wonderful practice for me. I, I think it's yeah. phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. I wish I'd thought about that with my kids. <laughs> well, I'm sure they're doing great. We've, we've always did a version of that around our house. You know, tell me something great that happened in your day to day, something that feels feels good to you. Oh, I love that. You did that every day? We, we believe in family dinners and we had almost always dinners together when they were home. That's great. That's none, none of that stuff. So it's not easy to do, but it was totally worth it. That's great. I love that. Well, that's good. So an, an attitude of gratitude. Now, let me ask you one, though. Um, Jason, when you've got somebody that is so out of aces, they can't even get a hand together. In other words, everything they've tried is not working. They're discouraged under financial pressure. They may be having personal problems. Um, what would you recommend to somebody that just feels like they've hit a brick wall and they just they don't know where to turn? Yeah. So. Uh, and is it, do you, do you, is it in this setup? Is it, it could be someone who started a business. Could be started a business. It could be a, a, an acquaintance that's going through a hard time with their family. Uh, it could be somebody that their career suddenly abruptly took a turn that meaning they got let go. Um, you know, what, how do how do you sort of rebuild internal confidence when you've hit that brick wall? Yeah. So I think, I think one, one way to do that is, um, I mean, th this to me goes goes back to soulfulness, and and I think it, it doesn't really answer the question in terms of your, you know, how, what do you do if you've hit rock bottom and you're out of cash? You know, that might be you need to ask, you need to ask for help. You know, you need to ask family and friends uh, to help you out in that moment of crisis. Like, you know, that when you look at the hierarchy of needs, when you're stressed about money there's really not a, a worse stress than that. Um, that said, if it's more of a issue where they feel like they have failed and they feel undervalued and they feel like they haven't accomplished anything, the, the, te the technique that I use for soulfulness, which has really transformed me personally, I was in, been in advertising for 20 something years, selling products and services, many of them I believed in, some of them, maybe not, but uh, I mean, I'm sure you've been there, but when you're selling and you are building businesses where the backbone of capitalism, you feel a little bit hollow after a while, like this is all that I'm giving back to the world. And so I started a uh, group doing nonprofit social good advertising. Uh, it's called the Creative Alliance. There's 90 companies in there now. We give, we do, you know, eight campaigns a year. We're using our skills in advertising to give back to things that matter, like gender equality, uh, getting civic engagement, getting people to vote. Um, but these this group, this agency come, agencies teams come together, and it's uh, collaborative and non-competitive. So, anyways, I I founded this organization to balance out the work with doing something positive in the world. And I think um, one technique that's really useful is to write down on a piece of paper three skills that you have. Uh, we all have skills in some way. Um, 
three, three skills that we have, three things that you care about in the world. Could be, I don't know, could be, could be voting, could be fighting cancer, whatever it might be. Some could be, you know, solving the homeless population, working on adoption, who knows? Could be something good in the world that you feel is important to you. And when you stare at that, those two pieces of papers that have your three skills, three things you care about, few hours later, they're going to morph into some idea that you have about what you can do with your skills to give back and create that soulfulness in your life. And I think when you have that to fall back on, the career setbacks that happen aren't as demoralizing because you have this strength internally that you're giving back and you're inspirational and you're helping others. And that to me can sustain the roller coaster and turmoil that businesses can have or work or job, you know, layoffs, et cetera, can have because you still are feeling confident and that you're doing something positive and productive in the world that isn't just relying on your job. And everyone has some skills that they can offer uh, to do something good. It doesn't have to be as big as, you know, co-founding a organization. It can be you're a photographer with skills that you're doing some something positive in the world for and donating your time and energy. Uh, there's a hairdresser I know that um, cuts hair for a living, was unfulfilled, still cuts hair, but he also um, goes out once a week and cuts the hair of homeless people to make them feel more like they're human beings. And that, that fills him up for the downtimes in his job when he's not as busy. So I think everyone has something some skill to offer that they can look at and, and mirror skill with, with purpose. And I think that can fulfill you in the, in the tough times. I think that's brilliant because it also prevents us from being one dimensional where right. we define the good that we do as our job or income, or did we get the promotion or did we get the recognition at work? Because we're not one dimensional. And what you're suggesting is people be more intentional about those other dimensions and that they focus on that too, which I think is brilliant. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think that's really, really great. Um, now you talk a lot about, about empathy. And one of the things that is a sub point in your book is you say, make it about, about them, not so much about ourselves. What are some steps we can all take to become more empathetic? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it seems uh, counterintuitive that I'm on uh, a podcast promoting a book that I wrote with my name on it. And I'm talking about making it about other people. Uh, in this, in this is instance, uh, I am promoting something for myself. But I think in job or career, um, I think it's really important to try to share the stage and try to bring others along with you and not really try not to be a ball hog and try not to have hog the spotlight and and realize people that have helped you along the way and try to help others and pull others up with you throughout your career. And I think those are ways where you can be more empathetic and look out for other people and not be uh, so self-absorbed. And I think that's a learned uh, characteristic that you can, you can really practice and learn over time. It might not be in your nature because we're all selfish individuals as humans. You know, we all think the world revolves around us. But when we think about the others around us and how they're feeling and what they're bringing into their day-to-day, -day, I think it just opens you up um, 
in a, in a lot of ways that really can help you become a better manager and a better leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's such a critical thing because if it's about us, pretty soon that's pretty transparent. Yeah. People see it and they know that everything we're doing is transactional instead of for the greater good. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. This whole subject of persuasion, you know, for, for people that have never had any sales training or, or background, persuasion can often be perceived in a really bad light. And you make a big distinction in your book about the difference between the soulful type of persuasion and the kind that is just pitch and close. Do we all need to become better persuaders? I think we all do need to become better persuaders because we are all, there's, life is a series of persuasion opportunities every day. So if you're persuading your significant other to go on a trip to Paris instead of uh, Barcelona, you know, what are the the techniques that you use? You're persuading your boss to give you a raise. You're persuading your kids to get ready for school. You know, life is a sort of micro moments of persuasion. So I think no matter what profession or what area of, of work or life you, re, you reside in, persuasion is just happening all around us all the time. And I think there's, there's other ways of manipulation. There's other ways of persuasion. One, one great thing that I always mention is um, a, a negative persuasion, persuasive technique that can be very uh, effective. And I related to advertising where in 1964, uh, Lyndon Johnson was running for president, and there was a famous ad called uh, Daisy, and it was he was running against uh, Barry Goldwater, and he did a ad that ran one time that had a, a, a five-year-old girl picking daisies in a field. I don't know if you remember that. And there was a nuclear explosion. With a bomb in the background. Yeah, yeah. There was a nuclear explosion, and the the copy was something like, you know, vote vote Johnson, the stakes are too high. And that's a, that was super effective and it worked. It's an example of persuasion, but it was basically saying vote for me or die. You know, it was, it was a very specific way to persuade uh, voters. I don't necessarily believe in uh, fear or scare tactics in terms of persuasion, but they certainly work. I mean, you can see throughout history um, just examples of, of, persuasion that has been led by propaganda and, and fear, fear-based persuasion. So that exists too. So persuasion is sort of a loaded word, which is why I added the soulful part to it. Because to me, persuasion is about positivity and it's about your character and it's about people understanding when they meet you uh, that you're grounded and you stand for something, you have a belief system that you're putting out there. So to me, that's what why I think we all need to be persuasive people. And, but that's got to start with understanding ourselves so that we're really well grounded. Otherwise the persuasion is just going to be techniques instead of something that's very real. That's right. And I talk a lot in the book about writing down your belief system and what you believe in and you know, how you, how you see yourself in the world and your interests. Um, And so there's, there's ways to do that, that um, after a while become habit, you know, practice becomes habit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of the most important mentors in my life used to say, when the person is right, then their world is right. Oh, I love that. 
That's and so, so we've got to make, make sure that our person is right, that we know our convictions, we know our beliefs, we know our motives and all the rest of that. That's so because good. at the end of the day, we all have an end of the day. You know, and what do we, we want do. to feel like we've accomplished at that point? Well, can I ask you one or two more, Jason? To yeah, go ahead. Because um, really impressed with sort of one of the things you put toward the very end where you say, today calls for soulful persuasion. Uh, you know, I don't believe that we're in the worst time of our nation in terms of the public debate, but it's hard to think of one that was much worse than this. And yet what you're really saying here is today calls for social persuasion. And I, I guess what I take that as is we have to know what we believe in and it's the right principles. And we try to convey that to others by our actions, our words, our deeds, you name it. But could you expand on that just a little bit? Today calls for soulful persuasion. Yeah, absolutely. So I, to me, the the time, you know, this book was a three-year journey and it, it happened to sort of come out, I think, in a time where we are, which you alluded to, we are, we've never been more divisive as a, as a country, you know, really in our sort of own echo chambers and beliefs. And we live, what I would consider, we live in an age of distrust. And there's a lot of factors for that age of distrust from fake news you know, we don't know what story's right. The sort of advent of of the blog of bloggers where anyone can write anything. There's there's no sort of fact checking anymore. Um, there's phishing scams. We don't know what Google and Facebook are doing with our data. You know, you have an Alexa that's listening in on you. There's a lot of these factors that are happening where we live in a world where we're sort of naturally non-trusting of technology and other people and news and information. And to me, in that, with that sort of convergence, trust is more important than ever. So your character, how you come across, your word, what you say to people, your follow through, uh, your you know, understanding yourself, connecting with others, being an empathetic person. It's never been more important for people to trust your character because they're they're sort of starting from a place of distrust almost with everyone because of the world we live in today. So I think that's that's why it's almost more important now than ever to build trust and be a soulfully persuasive, persuasive person, not a manipulator. Yeah, so right. Dr. Yeah. King says a part of his dream was a world where little boys and girls are judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Yeah, I love that. That's yeah. so good. Character yeah. is, is. I have a dream. Uh, I have a dream. Same dream. Yeah. That's yeah. right. I think it's fantastic. Um, well, you live skillfully. You live soulfully, and you are an inspiration, Jason. No, um, so much. Particularly affirming to have somebody that is character driven uh, in a field that is so often about return on investment and audience reaction and measurement of response, etc. You're in a very numerical field, but you bring a soul into an analytical field, which is great to hear. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. That means a lot to me. Well, that's good. Well, tell me, um, how can people find this book? Uh, this book is available. I have a website, thesoulfulart.com. It's available on Barnes & Noble, Amazon. It's probably the you know easiest place most people buy these days, um, amazon.com. And uh, yeah, Soulful Art of Persuasion is kind of available wherever you might find books. All right. So the soulfulart.com, that, that's your website. That's my website. Yeah. Good, good. Well, I look forward to absorbing content from that myself because I think it'll be so key. Awesome. 
Well, thank you so much. You uh, you bring a very unique characteristic, and that is the understanding that the world is bigger than any of us, but we can contribute to making it better by what we do in our work every day. Right. So, Jason, thank you so much for honoring us with the Action Catalyst. Thank you for having me uh, on the Action Catalyst. It's been a blessing. I appreciate it. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.